The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, prevention, diagnosis, counseling, treatment, or other services. Always consult a mental health professional before engaging in any activities discussed in this podcast. Thank you for listening. Have you ever wished for magical powers? Do you still await your Hogwarts acceptance letter? Well, welcome to Hogwarts. You are magical. And this is your invitation to join us in exploring the psychology behind the most magical series, Harry Potter. Welcome to Harry Potter Therapy. Hello, you magical people out there, and welcome to Harry Potter Therapy. I am your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I am Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time witch. Today, we are going to be going into Chapter 4, The Keeper of the Keys. In this chapter, we meet Hagrid and find out about Harry's magical heritage. Right from the get-go, we see Hagrid being uncomfortable with saying Voldemort's full name. First, I'd understand this, Harry, because it's very important. Not all wizards are good. Some of them go bad. A few years ago, there was one wizard that went as bad as you can go. And his name was... His name was... Maybe she wrote it down. No, I can't spell it. All right. Voldemort. Voldemort. Where do you think such fear of a name comes from? I think for some people, there is a fear of a reminder of something really painful. Sometimes a name of a perpetrator like Voldemort can become a trigger in itself. It can trigger the feelings of fight or flight response. It can remind us of the trauma that we went through, the losses that we experience, and it can feel as if even the name itself is dangerous. In fact, a lot of trauma survivors become easily triggered by any kind of trauma reminder. So for me, for example, For many years, I couldn't say or hear the word Chernobyl. For many years after surviving the radiation blast in Ukraine. So I think in a similar way, a lot of survivors of Voldemort's violence have a really difficult time saying his name. They fear him so much that even his name might trigger that kind of traumatic memory and fear. At this point, we don't know if the name has any other magical connotations related to it. That's something we'll talk about in later books. But at this point, I think it still serves as a reminder of the horrific trauma and the war that many of these individuals, including Hagrid, have survived. Yeah, I can see how his name would be fearful. And I mean, at this point, we don't even really know that his name actually has a charm on it that can summon him or something. And it probably happened in the past as well. We don't know that. Both Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia clearly tried to, and I quote, stomp the magic out of Harry. Dear Mr. Potter, we are pleased to inform you that you have been accepted at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. You will not be going to tell you! 
We swore when we took him in we'd put a stop to all this rubbish. What was the driving force behind them oppressing his magical identity this way? I think for Uncle Vernon, he very much views Harry as other. For some individuals who have this us versus them, in-group versus out-group kind of upbringing and understanding of the world, they see the other as dangerous. And therefore, they might try to, as you mentioned, stomp this particular side of the person out. They might try to oppress the person from exploring this side of themselves. Whereas for Petunia, we're starting to clearly see that this is personal for her. Her sister, Lily, Harry's mom, went to Hogwarts, was a witch. And Petunia mentions how proud her parents were of having a witch in the family. And we're starting to see how jealous Petunia was of Lily. Of course we knew. How could you not be? My perfect sister being who she was. My mother and father were so proud of the day she got her letter. We have a witch in the family. Isn't it wonderful? I was the only one to see her for what she was. A freak. And then she met that Potter. And then she had you and I knew you would be the same. Just as strange, just as abnormal. It's possible that their parents treated them differently. It's possible that they treated Lily as the special one. And it's possible that Petunia too wanted to be special, that she too wanted to be magical and go to Hogwarts. So at this point, we don't know very much about that side of Petunia. It does seem apparent that she was very jealous of the way that Lily was treated. And I think as a result, she's grown to hate everything magical, including Harry. Well, the most magical thing happens in this chapter. Harry finds out that he is, in fact, a wizard, and his identity comes to fruition. Excuse me. Who are you? Rubius Hagrid, keeper of keys and grounds at Hogwarts. Of course, you'll know all about Hogwarts. Sorry, no. No? Blimey, Harry, didn't you ever wonder where your mum and dad learned it all? Learned what? You're a wizard, Harry. After learning that he's a wizard that he has magical parents, and that everyone in the magical world knows his name, Harry believes that there is some kind of a mistake. I'm a what? A wizard, and a thumping good and I'd wager, once you trade up a little. No, you've made a mistake. I mean, I can't be a, a, a wizard. I mean, I'm just Harry. Just Harry. What do you think would lead someone in Harry's situation to think that they are a fraud and that they were mistakenly selected? This is a phenomenon that we sometimes refer to as the fraud syndrome or the imposter syndrome. This is when an individual might be awarded a wonderful opportunity, maybe a new job, a promotion or a speaking opportunity, for example. And because of perhaps what we might have believed about ourselves because maybe our own vulnerabilities, our own insecurities and beliefs that we're not good enough or not special enough, we might believe that we're a fraud, that we were mistakenly selected and that sooner or later everyone will find out that they've made a mistake and will cast us out. This is something a lot of people go through. This is something that even famous authors like Neil Gaiman go through. 
in Harry's case, because his entire life he's been essentially taught that he is nothing, that he's not significant, that he's not important. As Uncle Vernon even points out when Harry receives his first letter, he says, who'd be writing to you? Mm -hmm. Again, to point out that Harry's not special enough, that it makes sense that at this point, when Harry receives an invitation to go to a magical school in a community where everyone knows his name, where he's famous, that he's going to have self-doubt, that he's going to believe that there's been some kind of a mistake, a mix-up, or that he's some kind of a fraud. This is the first time that Harry actually learns the truth, like we were discussing, about where he came from and about his magical heritage. It was dark times, Harry, dark times. Voldemort started to gather some followers, brought them over to the dark side. Anyone that stood up to him ended up dead. Your parents fought against him, but nobody lived once he decided to kill him. Nobody, not one, except you. Me. Voldemort tried to kill me. Yes, but one thing's absolutely certain. Something about you stumped him that night. That's why you're famous. That's why everybody knows your name. You're the boy who lived. How might origin stories like this be helpful in our psychological development? Understanding where we came from, learning our origin stories can be extremely important. They give us the starting point. They allow us to understand our heritage and also can serve as a jumping off point to have us figure out our own meaning, the very beginning of our story. And then, of course, the rest of that story is up to us. So Harry spent 10 years of his life believing that his parents were killed in a car crash. Now he learned the truth. Now he learned that actually they were magical and that they were murdered by this evil wizard, Voldemort. And that he was almost murdered. And that Harry was almost murdered. That's right, that Harry was actually targeted too. As horrific as this truth might be to learn, it's very important because it allows Harry to figure out how he wants to proceed in his magical journey and the kind of steps that he wants to take. It is understanding what happens to his parents that arguably gives Harry the courage that he needs to face Voldemort later. Harry's magic appears to strengthen when he's scared or angry. Well, just Harry. Did you ever make anything happen? Anything you couldn't explain when you were angry or, or scared? How might this apply to our everyday experiences? I think oftentimes when we are either angry or anxious or overwhelmed or frightened, our body might actually become a lot stronger than we might even realize. Our adrenal system might start pumping out adrenaline and cortisol into our body, allowing us to do impossible kinds of things. We might run faster. We might be physically stronger. It is how women can lift cars off of babies. And it is how we might be able to, at least momentarily, possess the kind of strength, speed, and wisdom that we might not have previously experienced. 
And I think to a degree, our emotions are the source of our greatest superpower. It is when we are at our most vulnerable that we have access to that strength that we might not otherwise be able to tap into. So I think rather than running away from our emotions, trying to shut them down, the important thing is to recognize the value that they serve and how protective they might be. I just had an interesting thought. In this chapter, we see that Hagrid actually can use magic himself, but he was also told not to, or he's not supposed to be using magic. Appreciate it if you didn't tell anyone, and the Hogwarts about that. Strictly speaking, I'm not allowed to do magic. Okay. It's kind of like the magical community is suppressing his magical self. Do you have any thoughts on Hagrid's? In this chapter, all we know is that for whatever reason, Hagrid was chucked out of Hogwarts and his wand was snapped in half and he's not supposed to continue magic. There seems to be some kind of punitive reason for this. We don't yet know in this chapter or this book what happens to Hagrid and why, but it does seem like Hagrid had found his way around it in using the remainders of his wand in his little pink umbrella that has now essentially become his wand. The truth is, I think you can take the wand away from the wizard, but you can't take their magic away. We see that from everybody in the magical community, that if magic is within you, it doesn't matter how much oppression you go through. It doesn't matter if you're never given a wand. It's still a part of you. And that's interesting, too, is that he uses his magical force. I guess wizards and witches need wands, and he actually has an umbrella. So it's not necessarily that you need a wand with, like, unicorn hair and, you know, dragon scales or whatever. Well, I think the half or, or a part of the wand that he has probably still has that component. He just connected it to his umbrella, you know, I, and I really wish that somewhere in the movie he said a Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Well, clearly there's many secrets that we have yet to unfold, such as why Harry was targeted, why Voldemort tried to kill him, and whether Voldemort is still alive. Hagrid is also being very secretive about the details of his expulsion and why his wand was snapped. We will be learning more about this magical world in the next chapter, so tune in next time to Harry Potter Therapy, and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Also, if you're interested in learning more about Harry Potter Therapy, please check out Dr. Scarlett's book, Harry Potter Therapy, an unauthorized self-help book from the restricted section. I am your host, Dustin McGinnis. You can find me on Twitter, at The Valiant Geek. And I am Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter, at Shadow Quill. Thank you so much for listening, and have a magical day.